This is Points North, a show from Interlochen Public Radio, where we hear about life in northern Michigan through the news, the people, and the places. I'm Dan Wanshura. Today's show is all about animals and the threats they face. Later, your thoughts on protecting plants and wildlife. And we'll go out into the field with someone who tracks frogs and toads. But first, half a century ago, hundreds of pairs of piping plovers lived in the Great Lakes. Then by the 1980s, the birds were on the verge of extinction, and only a dozen pairs remained. Slowly but surely, wildlife biologists have helped increase the plover population, but it's still well below a stable number, and each year there's a new threat. IPR's Taylor Wisner reports. The piping plover is a small, stout, white-gray bird. In the spring, it can be found nesting on the shores of the Great Lakes. Plovers sound like this. That's a recording from Cornell University's Macaulay Library. Once a fixture on the lakes, the birds are now on the federal endangered species list. Vince Cavalieri is the Great Lakes Piping Plover Coordinator and says the birds have a number of threats. He says development encroaches on their habitat, scaring them off, while beachgoers step on their eggs and dogs prey on plover chicks. Plus, he says increased human presence attracts other predator species. These are species like crows and gulls and raccoons and things of that nature, which have all uh, kind of risen in number because of uh, human changes to landscape and garbage and different things like that. Last year, Cavalieri says snowy owls staying long past their typical winter season devoured at least six plovers. And this year, the predator may be the lakes themselves, rising to record levels and limiting shoreline where plovers nest. On an overcast spring day, a team of biologists are hiking through the Huron-Manistee National Forest to the Lake Michigan shoreline. Their task is to build nesting habitats for the plovers. They are part of a multi-state effort to more than double the bird's population on the Great Lakes, to 150 pairs. Pat Larman is a wildlife biologist with the National Forest Service. He admits it is a long shot. Plovers haven't nested on this part of the shoreline in 10 years, and it's been hard to grow the population elsewhere. But it's worth trying anyway. When the population is that low at 67, any new recruitment into that population is going to be really, really important. So just individuals matter at this point. Larman says the birds play a small but important part in keeping the Great Lakes ecosystem balanced. They forage in the sand for tiger beetles, spiders, and wasps, and are prey for larger birds. And biologists' efforts to protect plovers have trickled down, preserving other native species too. So this section of beach would be absolutely perfect as far as width. The team has finally found a good spot. It's remote enough that people might not venture there, and the beach is wide enough that the birds have space to search for food. Larman sees cobble in the water nearby, so he heads into the water wearing chunky, knee-high fishing boots. One by one, the team submerges crab scoopers in the water and digs up the pebbles, dumping them into large buckets. Over at the site, Larman chucks the cobble on the sand. I'm going to spread this out in here and leave some variation with the density of the cobble and, you know, the little bit of dead vegetation in there. It gives it a nice mosaic. That was five weeks ago. Since then, the team has found a few plovers at the site, but they haven't found any nests. 
There's still time, but the Great Lakes do keep rising. A couple of nests at other sites have already been washed away. For Points North, I'm Taylor Wisner. This is Points North. I'm Dan Wanshura. A recent report from the United Nations says more than a million plant and animal species are at risk of extinction. Among its other findings, more than 40% of amphibians and a third of all marine mammals are at risk of being endangered. The report says human activity is mostly to blame, and transformative change is required to restore and protect nature and humans. Listeners shared their thoughts with IPR. George Gilbert wrote on Facebook, quote, It's part of evolution? Question mark? Exclamation point. He went on to say that everything goes in cycles. Otherwise, nearly every person who responded said we should be doing more to protect species. Lindy Barnes put it this way, quote, We need nature. Nature does not need us. Unquote. And we heard from these callers. It's obvious that money is too highly esteemed. I mean, it's ahead of everything. If we aren't protecting the endangered species on our planet, it won't be long before humans are endangered. I think we should do what we can do when it doesn't interfere with the needs of those individuals that are most um, needy. That was Bill Williston, Kelly McIntosh, and Laura Griddle. And thank you to all our listeners who called or wrote us with your thoughts. This is Points North. I'm Dan Wanshura. Frogs and toads are highly sensitive to habitat degradation, making them a pretty good barometer of environmental health. Each year, volunteers throughout Michigan do a listening survey to find out which species of frogs and toads are present and how abundant they are. Cheryl Bartz of Red Pine Radio rode along with volunteer Kathy Gray on Old Mission Peninsula. Well, I do love the toads. I love the trilling toads. I'm Kathy Gray. I'm a retired nurse practitioner in Traverse City area, and I'm involved in the Department of Natural Resources frog and toad survey in Michigan and have been doing this uh, with my spouse for the past six years. It started out as kind of a date night, you know, let's let's get a pizza and let's go out and listen to frogs. And then we found out that there was a way that you could actually be helpful and to make a difference for the environment and for, you know, little creatures that we both really care about. And it feels good to be doing something. These are spring peepers. Generally on our route, um, this early in the spring, we hear um, maybe as many as four different species. You're estimating the number of frogs on a zero to three scale. Zero meaning there's, you don't hear any voices. If you hear so many frogs, like we're hearing here, you hear so many peepers here, 
that there's no break in the action. That denotes a three. And then anything in between is either a two or a one. Frogs are a very exquisitely um, vulnerable species. And so um, to see the waxing and waning from year to year of the particular species and the particular environment that they are in has really kind of been dramatic. They built a church out here, a big church, and um, the area where we had been listening to uh, frogs, which is considerable distance behind this church, um, for three years in a row, we essentially heard no frogs whatsoever. I wept. I just thought, oh no, they're gone. They're gone. But you can hear now that there's quite a few peepers. There's a lot of toads tonight. What was dead wetlands to these amphibian frogs um, three years ago is now back. That piece was produced by Cheryl Bartz for Red Pine Radio. Kathy Gray and the other volunteers will finish their last survey by the end of June. More information about frogs and toads and DNR reports can be found at our website, pointsnorthradio.org. And that's our show this week. I'm Dan Wanshura. Morgan Springer is our executive producer and editor. Tune in to Points North Fridays here on IPR News Radio. You can also catch us anytime you like at our website, pointsnorthradio.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. 